Nightmerica is an independently produced podcast. If you like what we're doing, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash nightmerica. And please tell your friends about us. Welcome to Nightmerica, a podcast that takes you on a tour of the abnormal, paranormal, weirdly true, and truly weird in every corner across this nation. Because, to paraphrase Ray Parker Jr., whether it's ghosts, aliens, monsters, or monstrous humans, there's something strange in your neighborhoods. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Episode 18. What's up with weird ranches? I'm Aaron Sagers. One half of the hosting duo. It's like I almost forgot who I was for a second there. I'm Aaron Sagers, one half of the hosting duo of Nightmerica from Travel Channel's Paranormal Caught on Camera, Paranormal Lockdown Evidence Revealed from Discovery, Paranormal Paparazzi, a lot of stuff. You know the drill. Uh, joined, as always, by... By Brett. By Brett. Or should I say by Brett, because we're doing ranches. We are doing ranches. Uh, I, I think I did live in Huntsville, Alabama for a year, so I think I got a pretty good there Southern accent. I mean, if <laughs> if that's what it what just was, I'm gonna have to disagree with you. <laughs> you went into some sort of like Kentucky Colonel kind of like now. Now I say I say here we got a we got a podcast up on our hands here. <laughs> That's that's what you were doing. That's you. Mine yeah. is more of a. I don't know if you ever hear it. Somebody actually did pick up that I have a slight southern drawl. Let me hear it. It's funny because it's not like I tried to get rid of it. It just I just sort of phased it out. I don't, or maybe I never really had a super strong one since only half of my family is really really southern. But it's um like I like especially if I'm tired or I drink it starts coming out i can't i can't i can't fake it it's like like a i don't know now i'm just doing an accent like i don't know i just it's like a loosening of the tongue did you have a french accent when you moved back from france no not at all because my parents are from southern illinois yeah but you live how long did you live there like six years yeah so not really it was hard because I would sub words like in France in school. Like fromage. I would like a grilled fromage. <laughs> no. I would like the word notebook in French is cahier. So like in school, it was always just called cahier. So moving to Chicago, I would like talk about a cahier and like people wouldn't get it. Yeah. Because. Yeah. The- that's like the least cool French word. Like if you if you had like a cooler French word, like my favorite French word is caoutchouc, which means rubber. Caoutchouc. <laughs> like your rain boots are made of caoutchouc. Caoutchouc. Yeah. 
Cochu. That's different than Cochon, which is pig. Cochon, that's Cochon. Ah, yes. We. Anyhow. Anyhow. (laughs) This has been a delightful detour. All you people that are listening to this podcast for the very first time, there's actually some paranormal and true crime stuff that's about to happen. It's not just talking about our accents and, and cool French words. Although... Check out our new podcast, Cool French Words, dropping soon. That's not happening. (laughs) That's not happening. So we're going to talk about weird ranches. Before we get into that, I think think we should talk a little bit about just why ranches are so weird. But before we get into that, let's hear some newsy items. Britt, what's your weird news for the week? I will say I have been having a really hard time finding weird news because there's literally nothing happening in the world, like, in terms of weird news, because everyone's trapped inside. I disagree. Wait, hold on. There's a lot of weird stuff going on. Like, I would argue there's perhaps more weird news happening. No way, you're wrong. No, it's, (laughs) we've even talked about it. Like, I think there's more paranormal activity or potential paranormal activity that's been going on during the pandemic. Yeah, but I already did like two articles on that. Well, people okay. going to get bored. So anyhow, so you just <laughs> didn't do your homework to find a no, good I, article. No, I did. Okay. I did. I found something that I'm super excited about because it's a topic that I actually might want to cover on the show at one point. But yesterday... A new report from the NTSB, which is what, like the National Travel Safety Board, um, came out saying that a plane vanished over the Bermuda Triangle. Wow. I am obsessed with the Bermuda Triangle. Um, I wanted to do a story on it, but I also feel like there's a million podcasts who have done it really well. Uh, Supernatural by Ashley Flowers actually did one not that long ago that was really good but I like your setup there that there's been a lot of places that have done it so well so it's like we shouldn't even try (laughs) (laughs) this operation (laughs) it's not even other places have done it well but not well this I mean this is something I was going to talk about in my main story but one of the things I struggle with with this podcast is like do we cover stories that are well known or do we cover stories that are not well known so i posted it to instagram and like 93 percent of our listeners said they want stories that are not well known so the people have spoken anyway so a report came out yesterday that pilot ken simmons experienced spatial disorientation when flying over the bermuda triangle in february of last year but the report just came out yesterday Um, he was a super frequent flyer. He would fly with his family sometimes like twice a week. He was not a novice. He'd been doing it for years. He was a vet and he actually would fly to the Bahamas to do like freelance veterinary services, which is pretty cool. Um, but that day he was on the plane with his wife and his two golden retrievers. Let's have a moment for the golden retrievers. I feel like so, I, I feel like you were expecting me to react with that. I know you're heartless towards animals. It's fine. That's not fair. <laughs> but it was just too much of a softball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Felt too much like the, a setup. The report and I hate that golden came out. Retrievers. I don't like golden retrievers. No, I, I'm, I'm just kidding. Who hates golden retrievers? They're some of the me. most likable dogs. They're so stupid. 
They're not. Small. We just lost so many listeners. We're gonna get so not, much hate mail. Not for me. I am pro golden retrievers. <laughs> I'm a wiener dog girl all the way, as our listeners know. Um, but the report that came out yesterday said that he crashed 15 minutes after takeoff. And while he was in the air over the Bermuda Triangle, all of his systems stopped. Like autopilot, autopilot, autopilot wouldn't work. The compasses got all discombobulated, which is super common over the Bermuda Triangle. Um, and the Coast Guard searched for a day and a half after the crash happened, and they couldn't find any sign of the wrecked plane. So where did it go? They so- don't know. Did you say at the top of the story, though, that he experienced spatial disorientation? Oh, well, he, oh okay. Uh, see, I thought the, the story was going to have a happy ending, like the guy made it back alive, but he's missing. No, they're gone. Oh. They're totally gone. So according to science, most likely what happened is because there were storm clouds in the air, he might have gone through two separate storm clouds to like weave out of their way but the turbulence between the two storm clouds were so strong that it ripped the plane apart um which is most likely what happened but i'm curious about the bermuda triangle i think there's something weird and maybe it's not supernatural maybe it's not a portal to another world but i think there's something with magnets and how it screws up all of these flight systems there's so just real briefly you know, one word, what do you think? What do you, you think it's magnets? That's what's going on in the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. Yeah. Not portal, not aliens, not, not interdimensional travel. Correct. Magnets. What do you think? I don't know. I, I kind of open, leave open the possibility for all of it. Yeah. Who knows? Could be weird. I do but- wonder occasionally just because I am also a science fiction nerd. If it's like something where someone then gets transported to some sort of, uh, you know, prehistoric Jurassic age or whatever. And suddenly there's a plane and, in, in, you know, wouldn't in, that be so cool that the dinosaurs then meet these two golden retrievers and they're like, what the fuck? I don't think that's how it would go, but <laughs> I think I would just be like, Oh, a new thing the for me to T-Rex eat. T-Rex would be like, why are your front legs so long? Yes. Oh, T-Rex. He's both the king of the dinosaurs, king of the lizards, and also the king of punchlines. Someone cover my eyes! <laughs> oh, that was a Toy Story quote, wasn't it? It's my favorite Toy Story quote. Yes. Quote. yes. Well, my story, I mean, first off, the Bermuda Triangle, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, we could do a whole triangle episode, actually. Mm-hmm. Cause there's also the Bridgewater Triangle, there's... There's one I discovered recently, I think it's called Merlin's Triangle, which segues into my news item. And there's also a lot to be said about ley lines, which are not Mm -hmm. really necessarily proven, but they're an interesting concept. But yeah, so I'll segue into my story then with with the Merlin's Triangle. But in England, in Durrington, southwest England, they... Scientists, archaeologists more specifically, have discovered a previously unknown prehistoric monument that is close to Stonehenge. And it involves at least 20 prehistoric shafts 
which is more than 33 feet in diameter and 16 feet deep on the ancient site where Stonehenge sits. So this, they believe this is a monument, Neolithic in age, created 4,500 4, years ago, also 4,500 years ago. And Stonehenge was constructed around 3,000 years, or 3,000 mm. BC. So this would be, I guess, even older than that. Mm-hmm. And one of the uh, archaeologists said it demonstrates clearly sophisticated practices demonstrating that the people were so in tune with natural events to an extent we can barely conceive in the modern world we live in today, which is always crazy. Yeah, it is so crazy. No comparative prehistoric structure in the UK encloses such a large area as the circle of shafts at Durrington. And the structure is currently unique. And some believe that it was built well, the team, the team of archaeologists, not just some, believe that this was built as a boundary to a sacred area or or precinct associated with Stonehenge. Mm. And, the, of course, Stonehenge, you know, we all know is sort of this these big ritualistic structures and enclosures in the stone circle. And there's other, it was crazy, it's like throughout England in particular, there are these other stone circles. I've been to some of the, been to some of these other ones that, you know, some believe are connected to solstices, which happened not too long ago. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it was last Saturday was the summer solstice. So, you know, there's a lot of interesting connections between Stonehenge and then there's stories, connections to aliens. Some believe that these are either structures used to communicate with aliens ancient aliens some think that like uh crop circles which crop circles are not that far away from stonehenge some of the famous ones especially the one that was on the cover of the led zeppelin album uh, i didn't know that it was so close to stonehenge that that was like communicating with aliens as well or maybe even maybe something like stonehenge or some of these circles were essentially landing sites like landing ports for alien craft all sorts of connections but the thing that i just find from an archaeological standpoint that's intriguing about this and this story comes from cnn but it was all over the place is just that you know we still don't know a lot about Mm -hmm. this whole deal so the fact that we're still learning about our ancient world and what our ancestors were up to is just pretty mind-blowing even if there's no paranormal connection to it that we're still discovering stuff um, from 4,500 years ago which is kind of wild but what year was Easter Island what year were those heads I don't know offhand I guess I could look this up though it was I believe uh, 1200 AD perhaps Okay, so that was more recent then. Yeah, relatively recent. Okay, Okay. because I was wondering, like, oh, maybe it's something like these old civilizations, like, kind of similar, but no, that was more recent. Yeah, well, unless unless it predated them, so. But no, it seems like the Moai statues were around 1100 to 1680 
okay. AD more constructive than that. So the Merlin's triangle, by the way, is another thing. Keep an eye out for that. I think you're going to be hearing more about that, but that's potentially connected to Stonehenge and some other cool. circles. But ranches. Ranches. So we were we were talking about this topic, and what's up with weird ranches? Dude, there's so many weird ranches. Yeah. Well, from a from a paranormal perspective, there's Skinwalker Ranch. Mm-hmm. I don't know what if you know a lot about that one or what do you? I know, know a little bit. It's it's basically a place where a lot of weird activity occurs, where there's indigenous people. Uh, 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 spiritualism connected there there's alien activity supposedly there's reports of cryptids on there all all sorts of crazy stuff is happening on skinwalker ranch and then there's also of course which we're recording this on july 4th weekend which is right around the time that the roswell incident Mm -hmm. took place and you know that crashed on a ranch so there's there's a lot of interesting stuff that happens on ranch and you were mentioning another sort of true crime famous true crime ranch story yeah from the true crime there's of course the clutter family who is the center of the in cold blood book by truman capote honestly probably my second favorite book of all time um and it's the story of a family of course that was massacred on their ranch and then there's also the Wineville chicken coop murders, which was shown in the more, there's like 500 versions of the changeling, but this was in the most recent one with Angelina Jolie. They show that. Um, and Wineville actually changed their name as a city because they were so horrified to be connected with these. So yeah. there's a lot of weird shit at ranches. Why do you think that? Yeah. So, I mean, with that said, those aren't the stories we're going to tell because these are pretty well-known, mm-hmm. famous stories. Maybe we'll get around to it at some point, but we're still a young podcast. So we're just thinking about, I don't know. There's been so much written about Skinwalker Ranch and Roswell. Great stories. Some really great writers out there that uh, and great accounts that I just felt like set that aside for the moment. That was yeah. kind of your thought with in Cold Blood and Truman Capote's story as well. Why, but just why do you think so much is happening on ranches? I, I mean, just off the top of my head, I feel like because it's such open space, there's not a lot around. From a true crime capacity, it's easy to get away with crimes because people aren't right on top of each other to you know, see what's happening, see what goes down. So you can get away with things a little bit easier. And then from like an alien incident, they got these like big places for them to land their ships. Yeah. I don't know. That's I, my scientific. I, I, I'm, <laughs> yes. We're bringing <laughs> a lot of hard science into America this week. Um, what do you think? Well, I mean, I, I don't know how often the aliens are actually landing but I do agree that the wide open space is wide is part of that. Wide open spaces. Sorry, don't don't sing don't sing too much. <laughs> I think you can only sing. Uh, I forget how much you can sing of a song before we uh, have a copyright flag. Sure. But no, leave that in so everybody can hear your 
monthly singing voice. This episode's going off the rails. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is. Speak for yourself. I'm on. I'm firmly on the rails. Anyhow, <laughs> I agree. Wide open spaces, a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, with that said, not much has been said at all. But <laughs> let's get into before we get into the first story. Let's hear from our sponsors. <laughs> but let's not talk for a second. Let's hear from our sponsors, uh, which is still us talking. Think things are bad now? Well, it could be worse. Don't believe me? Just read Dead Run, the new sci-fi thriller from author Mike Maddox. A mysterious force is taking control of people's bodies and making them run to stay alive. And if you can't keep running... Now, this is the ad copy, so I'm reading the ad copy because it says, if you can't keep running, you blow up like spaghetti left in the microwave too long. Not a good scene. Mm-mm. It's a very messy situation. And it's got to have marinara sauce because then it kind of looks like blood. Right. And this, the pasta itself would be sort of Ew. look like viscera. Ew. And except in a microwave, but at least in a microwave, you're contained. The, the explosion is contained. Yep. It's a messy microwave to clean up. But if you're running down the road and you can't keep can't Flat. run anymore... Just splat. You're just, and then you're all over your friends and the other Ew. apocalyptic pals. You do are not nearby. splat on me. And in an apocalypse, you don't have easy access to soap, water. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if you can stop running long enough to sh- like shampoo and and bathe after Ew. your friend, your your pal, is just blown up on you. Anyhow, <laughs> I mean, this is really, I think, selling the book. Anyhow, the story follows a group of weary travelers as they make their way through a hellish landscape where there's only one rule. Run or die. This is Dead Run and other than being chilling and scary, it will also perhaps inspire you to eat the right kind of carbs (laughs) and jog every day just in case this apocalypse hits. So check it out. It's available exclusively on Amazon Kindle. It's only like three bucks. It's well worth your three bucks. And read Dead Run by Mike Maddox on Amazon Kindle. And we're back. Okay. So let's dive into this first story. I don't know why. I feel like you're... Are you on drugs this week? I don't know. I'm really tired. You're like... You're slappy. Like you're you're punch drunk. I got back from Phoenix this week. And it's a three-hour time change. I'm quarantining before I go back to work. And, I like, I cannot adapt to this time change. I don't know what time it is. I'm really tired. Mm-hmm. But let's do this. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm glad you could share, though. I like it when you share. Yeah. yeah. Everyone likes it when I share. Yeah. Everyone on Instagram acts like I'm the funniest one. So, oh, thanks, yeah? guys. Okay. Yeah. I also okay. run the Instagram, so yeah. So, <laughs> kind of highlighting the <laughs> highlighting. Yeah, I, in fact, I feel like we'll use this public forum to hash this out. So you, you post a picture of your injured foot. So the Nightmarica <laughs> podcast is hosted by Britt and Aaron, and then I see this injured foot, and I'm like, I don't know what message this is sending to people that whose foot is being posted out there. To tag your foot? 
No. As that shop girl, uh, which is your personal Instagram? No. And I comment. I'm going to like, start posting hairy, my hairy legs. And then I'm going to just let it go and let people determine honestly, whether. Honestly, at this point with quarantine, ain't nobody seeing me. They could be my legs too. God, if, if my hairy <laughs> legs could be. No judgment for anyone that doesn't want to shave their legs, but. If you could produce the amount of hair that's on my legs, I have hairy legs, people. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this might be our best episode yet. Yeah. So it's going to be a steep drop-off of subscribers steep. after this one. Steep. Let's maybe talk about, instead of legs, something, uh, you know, tragic. <laughs> what's, tragic. Your, what's your story? Um, as I was saying before, I was not wanting to do these super well-known stories. Um, so I was doing some digging and actually found this really interesting story from my new favorite website, modernfarmer.com. It's actually a really well done website and had this incredible article by Andrew Amelinks. And then I also got a lot of information from the super old newspaper, the Taconic newspaper, uh, an article by Alan Merritt. This crime that I'm about to talk about happened in 1930. So it's fun to see like all these really old school papers. There's a lot of good stuff on the internet, guys. So it's Thanksgiving Day, 1930. And Bernice Germond is on the bus home from her college in Poughkeepsie and is dropped off at 520 at her family ranch, which is about 90 miles north of New York in a really small town called Stanfordville. She says to the bus driver, the house is dark, which was really unusual, but she wishes the bus driver a happy Thanksgiving and gets off, not knowing what she was about to walk into. Bernice's dad, his name is James, he was a dairy farmer for Borden Dairy. You guys know it. It's like that really adorable smiling cow that has the yeah. daisy chain necklace. Is, it, is that Elsie? Is that Elsie the cow? cow? It might be. She's okay. like this real yeah, happy she's cow. Iconic um, mascot. Yeah. So that's who Bernice's dad, James, works for. Uh, milk was their livelihood. They had all the dairy cows on their ranch. And when he didn't show up on Thanksgiving Day to make his delivery, people were kind of curious, but they didn't think too much of it because it was a holiday. Uh, then the next day, he didn't arrive again, and people got super concerned. Uh, so a fellow employee named Willard Coons went out to their family ranch to see what was going on. He gets there at 9 a.m. the day after Thanksgiving uh, and walks into the barn and see the dairy cows are in desperate need of milking. Uh, for reference, dairy cows need to be milked like two to three times a day. Uh, don't get me started on milk consumption in this country, but... They clearly had not been milked for two days. So he knows something is up. He walks over then to the tool shed and finds James, as well as the 10-year-old son Raymond, lying on the ground, soaked in blood, covered in stab wounds. He's terrified. He Willard runs into the house and sees Mabel, Bernice's mom, the mom of the family, laying by the kitchen stove, frozen in blood because it's the 1930s and it's new upstate New York in November. It was super cold that like the liquid around her froze. 
I did not know that blood could freeze, but I didn't either, but super gross. Um, Bernice was laying huddled under the dining table and investigator said in her position, it looked like she had walked into what was happening to her family, crawled under the table for protection, but nevertheless was stabbed. And they described her stabbings like she had been hit like a pin cushion, which is a gross visual. So Willard ran a mile away to where James's brother lived, got him for help, and then on the way back past Arthur Curry, who's their neighbor, um, and they all went running back to the house to see what's, you know, going on. Arthur suggests they go in to make sure the killer's not still in the house, which is kind of a creepy choice for me, but of course the killer wasn't. Um... So then things happen in the way that things typically happened in the 1930s. The police are notified, but it takes them a little bit to get there. So in the meantime, neighbors come to peek in the house and see what's going on and totally disturb the crime scene. Reporters noted that people were taking souvenirs from the house. And since it was Thanksgiving Day, people were eating their Thanksgiving food. How disrespectful. Uh, just a quick aside. Well, yeah, the food part is kind of disrespectful. But the there's a lot of stories of these crime scenes, especially in the in this era, like the Velisca uh, axe murder mm-hmm. house. People also went in and disturbed the scene and took souvenirs. So apparently, yeah. Not that I think people wouldn't do it to today. I think people would still do it. But oh, they totally they would. Just but now be, the police got it on lockdown. Yeah, but sorry, continue. Yeah. Um, well, it's funny you say that because the police were actually part of the problem while they were doing the like sleuthing of this case, they were eating one of Mabel's pies. So there's that. Uh, they did, however, find a new butcher knife laying at the scene, but it had been completely wiped clean, no blood, no fingerprints or anything. Um, and they didn't dust for fingerprints because so many people had been in the house. They figured, you know, it would be such a disturbed crime scene. Was fingerprint technology even... Was it around back then? I don't know. The newspaper article said that, so I assumed it's true. Oh, I didn't think it had been... Well, 1930s? Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I know DNA definitely wasn't. That was like the 80s. Yeah. So according to the autopsy reports, Mabel was killed first, then Bernice, followed by James, and then Raymond. So... What they kind of puzzled together is maybe James was out working and Maybell was in the house. Whoever killed them came and killed Maybell. Bernice walked into the situation and then Raymond ran, ran outside to his dad to tell him what's going on. But that, of course, is all speculation. We don't know what happened. Um the author of the article that I read on Modern Farmer wrote my favorite line. It said, police were long on theories and short on facts. Um, the family was a mild-mannered, working-class fam- family, no enemies. They weren't incredibly wealthy, but they also weren't in a lot of debt. They were just living life like your like regular farming family. Some people claim to see a strange man wandering near the farm that day. Uh, One shop owner even said a suspicious Spaniard bought a watch with a red stained $10 bill. Um, But police picked up this suspicious Spaniard and none of the witnesses could pick him up out of a lineup. So, I mean, 
eyewitness testimony is also like super suspicious, but and and also pretty racist. Like, you know, describe someone as like swarthy or whatever. It's, yes. Yeah. It's always, yeah. It's uh, definitely racist. racial profiling there. Yes. Um, theories also went around about Bernice because she had been stabbed the most out of the family. Maybe it was like a guy she dumped who then came in to take revenge, but nothing really came of that either. What's interesting is that two weeks after the murder, James's wallet was found two miles away from the home, completely emptied, and he had cashed a check just like two days prior. So they suspect there could have been cash in there that was stolen. I mean, probably, but you know, who knows if all the cash was kept in that wallet. Um, but guess who steps in to weigh in with his two cents? The governor of New York at the time. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Never heard of him. He, (laughs) FDR lived like 20 miles from the crime scene. And he was super unhappy with how local police were handling the case. So he appointed the attorney general to take it over. To be fair, this is a super small town and the police were completely in over their head. Um, it's like a small farming town, but most people probably did would like steal each other's cows. There was never been a brutal family murder. Um, but also on the other side of that coin, it was also kind of a corrupt town. Prohibition was going on and the police in town were friendly with the locals that ran stills that made like Applejack, like the booze of the time. Um, and they actually would take kickbacks from these people to keep from arresting them. So the new attorney general is now in place. And two years later, we finally have our first suspect. And it's a name you've heard before, Arthur Curry. He was the neighbor. Arthur Curry is also the name of Aquaman. So if this story ends up being that Aquaman committed these savage murders, I'm going to be so disappointed (laughs) and writing a sternly worded letter to Atlantis. (laughs) Did you know is Aquaman that, Arthur, was Arthur Curry? Is Aquaman Jason Momoa? No. J- Jason Momoa portrayed Aquaman. So handsome. Yeah. Well. Hubba hubba. Hubba hubba. Uh, yeah, I've hosted for Jason Momoa multiple times. He seems like a super nice dude. But he portrays Aquaman. But, you know, I still prefer my Aquaman as, you know. From Super Friends and whatnot. Either way, Arthur Curry. Either is way, his Aquaman. His, his Earth or his uh, his land name. Yep, got it. Well, <laughs> Arthur Curry, the neighbor, had served time for assault. Was known for having a terrible temper. Um, he was also a chicken farmer and a barber. And if you know Sondheim musicals, you know barbers are no good. Uh, But he also was a bootlegger, so he was friendly with the police. So maybe that's why it took someone new in place to get the first suspect. Um, Turns out, Arthur told his wife on the day of the murders that he was heading over to see James because James owed him money. He came home around 7, which Bernice got off the bus at like 5.20, so the timeline does kind of check out. Um... They, but that was all they had in terms of evidence. So the police prosecuted him and their court case argued that Arthur wanted to hunt on the 
uh, Germans, Germans, or I don't know how to pronounce their last name, wanted to hunt on their ranch, but the family told them no. And also that the family owed Arthur around $400 in like today's money and that he went over to this family and lost his temper when they didn't pay him back and killed them in the heat of the moment. But they lost the court case because there was serious room for doubt. There was like no real physical evidence tying him there. Um, and the wallet that had been found was two miles in the opposite direction of Arthur's home. But that was like weeks later. And so, you know, Arthur could have dropped it there at any time. Personally, I'm leaning to Arthur if, you know, he was a bootlegger, good with the cops. And they had like beef, you know. But at this point, what's interesting is that FDR is now elected as president. So the heat is off of the attorney general to put like an end to this case. So they all just kind of stop fighting for justice. And this case is still unsolved. And that's the death on a dairy farm murder. Okay. What do you think? Well, I think that you would think that as president, FDR could have still put some pressure just to solve that crime. But the, I mean, I think it was actually an FDR quote that self-interest is the enemy of all true affection. So he could have been, you know, I guess he got caught up in the White House and couldn't put the pressure on. But other notes, Arthur Curry gives a bad name to Aquaman. Aquaman. Um, Yes. And just a random aside, uh, it was Elsie, Elsie the cow, by the way, was the dairy cow. And she has a burial spot in Plainsboro, New Jersey. Her real name was Yul Du Lobella. I guess Elsie was like her super name, Lobella. Sweet. But, uh, that is an odd story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, um, I, I don't know automatically that bootlegging would make you violent and the nature, the nature of the crime, man, I mean, it could be a heat of the moment, but the way you described the murders was not just in a fit of rage. That's pretty, it gets pretty personal when you. Yeah, super personal. Stabbing is so personal. Yeah. Well, and then frozen in blood is pretty. Ew, it's so gross. But, wow. Um, I did not know that one. So that's an interesting new ranch. Again, ranches be weird. We're just... Ranches be weird. All right, well... Ranches be weird. Ranch. That's bad. Yes. It was bad. But let's continue to the next story. But after a word from our sponsor. Nightmarica is excited to announce we have a new sponsor, Manscaped. And to talk about the men's grooming kits, we have a really big fan of Manscaped. But not a man, a Sasquatch. From the Florida Everglades, let's welcome Skunk Ape to the show. Thanks for joining, Mr. Ape. Oh, Skunk is fine, just fine. That's uh, that's what my friends call me. Even though you're an elusive cryptid, you're able to have a social life? Oh, sure, sure. Wood booger, yeah, we mow, mow, wendigo, mow, galon. We all, we all hang out. Well, that's great. With all those friends, it's probably important to look your best. 
we take a lot of pride in how we look uh, in the Sasquatch community, especially uh, since, uh, as you can imagine, there ain't a whole heck of a lot of us out there, so it gets pretty darn competitive getting attention from the Lady Squatches. So the Lawnmower 3.0 from Manscaped has a durable, skin-safe ceramic blade when you groom your, uh, Squatchy regions. Don't you know it? That Lawnmower 3.0 holds an edge, so I'm less likely to nick my nugs. It's happened before, and it ain't pretty. There's blood everywhere. Everyone down in the glades heard me howl out that one time. Whoop, whoop! That's what, that's what it sounded like when I nicked my nugs. But not with this Lawnmower 3.0. Dude, that's intense. I have certainly been there. It is no fun at all. Skunky, I imagine grooming down there probably takes a lot of time because you're a pretty big guy. Well, you know what they say about big feet. Big shoes? Big balls! Yep, right, sizable. Sasquasticles. Big old ones. But with them lithium-ion batteries I can charge that puppy up on the USB dock, I can use it for 90 minutes. It's even waterproof, so I can fire it up in the glades and take a good long time getting my squashticles right where they needs to be. Well, with that waterproof technology, that's got to be helpful in the glades. Or even for a human like me who uses the shower. Is the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 getting you noticed down there? Only in the right ways. All the lady squatches or, or men, no, no judgment, they take notice. But I can still stay hidden because with that quiet stroke technology... It does not make a lot of noise and attract unwanted look-a-loos. And that's a very important part of the Squatch Code. You gotta stay undercover, you know. I can even groom up my Squashticles in the middle of the night. Because it's got an LED light on it. So you can see where your Patterson and Gimlin are. It's a memorable pair. And speaking of memorable pairs, you also like the Manscaped Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner. Well, you might have heard I have a bit of an odor issue, hence the nickname Skunky. And with the Florida humidity, uh, I can smell pretty darn ripe down there. So I use that Manscaped ball deodorant to, to make the squashicles smell fresh as a daisy and the ball toner to freshen up when skunk turns to funk. Maybe we should start calling you Flowers instead of Skunky. Well, Skunky... If you or your Squatch Buddies or any listeners out there want to groom safely, and who doesn't, head over to manscaped.com and enter code NIGHTMERICA for 20% off plus free shipping off your order. For one more time, that's... Squatchscaped. No, no it's not. It's Manscaped. Manscaped. The right tools for the job. And we're back. Well... I think that, so you, you brought something new, had not heard of that one before, and I was looking for something fresh as well. Again, didn't want to just retread some, some stories that are great, but are kind of out there a lot, and I was looking up, this is actually a relatively new article from Outside Magazine, OutsideOnline.com, and it was written by A.C. Shilton. And this is the story of Flathead Lake Lodge. And this is a pretty new-ish story. And I'm leaning really heavily on the Outside Magazine on this because it was their their story. I have not seen um, references to this beforehand. So I want to give uh, that AC and Outside a lot of credit on this. Now... Flathead Lake Lodge, as it is, 
it is supposedly the home to a Loch Ness monster type creature, or uh, actually more like Flathead Lake itself mm-hmm. is supposedly home to a Nessie type of creature. But interestingly enough, that's not the story. I mean, that's that's already weird in of itself. Mm-hmm. But this is um, this lodge, it was Doug Avril is the retired owner and manager of the Flathead Lake Lodge in Montana. And as he tells Outside Magazine, Doug grew up as one of eight boys. His parents owned this massive dude ranch. And as a kid, these, these boys would run around wild. And he said, quote, we rode around as a little gang of cowboys, which sounds pretty great, actually. Super great. Imagine eight boys. They'd saddle up. They'd take off on the ranch and then also check the cattle, check the land that the family owned and operated. And this is this is pretty remote rangeland. Now, in the 1960s, it was summertime. The brothers, I don't know how many brothers... Uh, were on site, but the brothers came across, quote, a ghastly site, and on the ground were three dead cows, and they were arranged sort of in a circular fashion. Now, this is noteworthy because no obvious wounds were visible, their reproductive organs had been removed, there was no blood, and Avril remembers it was almost surgical removal. Now, this is part and parcel exactly the kind of thing that has been reported with other cattle mutilations. Uh, Typically tongues, eyes, uh, sometimes all of the major organs, a lot of times the reproductive organs are removed, no blood in the body. If you look at some of these images, not not connected to this story, but in general, if you look at some of these cattle mutilation images, it almost looks, looks like these cows have been sucked dry, like they're just this oh. this empty sack. And a cow vampire. A cow vampire, but no blood anywhere. And if it's one thing I've learned from vampires and pop culture is they're very messy eaters. But there's mm. no no wound marks, so somehow like surgical removal, no blood. I mean that right there is just so odd. That's something I always find very peculiar about cattle yeah. mutilations, the lack of blood, the lack of just stray viscera, the... Are cows just not really bloody? No, they're very bloody. And the the sort of no... Almost like something was like a laser or something incision. But anyhow. So, okay, this was in the 1960s. He reports this. Now, it is worth noting that in the 1960s, this was definitely peak alien obsession. There were sightings of aliens or, or UFOs, uh, flying saucer sightings in the newspapers. So, you know, Avril kind of thought maybe, you know, this was the purpose. And a lot of people tend to think that the that the aliens were taking these reproductive organs for testing. Anyhow, that said, though, Avril said at one point, they found, this was after the fact, one day he was walking around and he found a, a lance in their path. Basically something pinned to the ground uh, with a cryptic note that said, 
uh, actually, the it was a cryptic note with a threatening message. And he did not go into detail about what that threatening message was. But for him, he thought, oh, okay, maybe it was people that did this to the cows. Okay, so cattle mutilation, and then a, a letter with a threatening message, so then they think, okay, aliens, oh wait, no, maybe people. But then things continue to get weird. Things got odd on this ranch. For instance, the brothers go to grab hamburgers, and they leave, this is actually at a local bar, so slightly off the ranch. They go to a bar to grab hamburgers, they leave their horses in the back of a truck. The horses were packed in tightly. Uh, I've seen, you know, we've seen these horses on trucks and they said that they were only away for a couple minutes, but when they came back, the horse packed into the middle of the truck was suddenly out and there was no signs of a struggle and they didn't know how this horse could get out of the back of this truck, this stock truck, without all the other horses being unloaded. Mm. And if it was only a couple minutes, there's no way that you could take all these horses off take one out separate it, t- it sounds like almost no like way. a an elaborate elaborate prank like okay bring them yeah. all off separate this guy put them all back in but that would take you know a lot of time okay yeah. then the next day a there was a new guy working on the ranch fell off his horse and was badly injured okay maybe coincidence but apparently they were all riding together and nobody saw this this happen which is weird. And this was, uh, you know, again, a pretty experienced wrangler, but so severe that he was permanently disabled. Okay, then another weird thing happens. So there was this cook that worked on the ranch and went out to meet the brothers to hang out and go for a ride. And the tailgate on his truck had gone missing somehow. Like he loaded up the truck and then the tailgate was suddenly gone. And as a result, his horse fell out of the truck. And this is just like terrible, had been dragged behind the vehicle. Oh my God. So just again, he loads up the horse. He's going to go meet the brothers. He's carrying um, the horse in the back of the truck, like a stock truck. And somehow along the way, tailgate goes, didn't hear it, which would just, you know, would make a lot of noise. You would certainly notice if suddenly the tailgate on your truck had gone missing. And then the horse fell out and somehow was dragged along and they had to he put didn't her hear down. Did the horse whining? Guess not. And, and this was, this was like really this prized horse for the cook. Aww. Her name was Betsy, by the way. And that, the cook or the horse? Uh, no, cooks are typically called cookie, I think. I think, according to ranch rules, it would be cookie, at least oh. in my mind. No, I don't know if that's actually true. but <laughs> You said that, like, with such assurance. Well, in my mind, any time, it's either a cook or a very eccentric guy on the ranch or, you know. Haven't you ever seen cowboy movies? Like, like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm cookie. I'm cooking, you dang nabbit. Like, you guys are gonna... You messing with my stew. I'm cooking. <laughs> so the horse's name was Betsy? Yes. You <laughs> gave me zero reaction on cooking. 
Got to get Cookie on the show for an interview. Um, anyhow, Betsy, they had to put down Betsy, which just broke his heart. So all those things were connected in their minds. So then time goes on and they start telling these stories around the campfire. And then recently, so this is kind of weirdly continuing on this ranch. Avril, who is apparently still on the ranch, heard about this, this buffalo that, uh, had been killed or whatever in some of the remote parts of his ranch and reported seeing a pack of 16 wolves. And the two weird things about that is normally wolves would not go after a buffalo and 16 of them. I mean, I suppose if they're really starving or whatever, yeah. but 16 wolves. That's so Avril, during this investigation, he finds the bull and the bull is dead, but there's no bullet holes. There's no wolf teeth marks. There's no gashes on the corpse. And imagine, this is Montana, uh, there's a lot of um, scavenging animals and birds and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Nothing had touched this thing. What? So not even That's the buzzards, aliens. which was really unusual. And again, and this is more recent, the bull's reproductive organs were were gone, the buffaloes. Why? And again, snow... What are you freaks doing with the reproductive organs? Snow-covered field, no footprints in the snow around it or anywhere in sort of this mile-long walk back to the ranch from the nearest road. Aliens. Perverted aliens. It's weird, but he says that he thinks that he wishes it was aliens, but thinks it was humans because of the note and then the the spear that had tagged the threatening message to the ground. Aliens probably can write. They can build those wax spaceships. Yeah, but why would they bother sending a threatening message? Because then we think it's humans. I don't think the aliens need to play that game. They can just be like, hey, we're aliens and we're taking over. If that's really what they wanted to do. But what would humans do with reproductive organs? Well, I don't know. Do they eat them? Well, actually, there have been stories or there's been accusations of uh, cult-like activity. And that, you know, a lot of things always get pinned on the Satanists, but that it's cult-like activity even if that was the case, I, I mean, I could imagine that some people would use some of that for rituals, but the surgical precision doesn't quite make yeah. sense, and the lack of blood anywhere doesn't make sense. So, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's kind of odd. But so apparently, there's still some weird stuff happening at the Flathead Lake Lodge, which. You can actually go visit. It's been in operation for 75 years. So flatheadlakelodge.com. This podcast is not sponsored by them. But this is a odd story and a relatively recent one that I just kind of mm-hmm. like because it has the markings of, has a lot of like sort of, if, if you want to think, potential weird crime against this family or maybe maybe aliens. Not saying that it was aliens, but maybe aliens. Fascinating. Yeah, it's kind of weird. So ranches be weird. Ranches be weird. 
Maybe that's the new title of this podcast. Ranches be weird. Anyhow, so before we wrap things up here, let's uh, let's dive into what we are interested in from a... Well, I didn't get your reaction on that. Well, you think aliens. Anything else you think with that? Oh, I think it's aliens for sure. I think but it's the spear in the we... ground. Aliens got spears? You've watched Star Wars. They have weapons. I'm just don't even know how to respond. I feel like you're just saying that to frustrate me. Why? Star Wars, they have lightsabers. And not everyone is using lightsabers, but the Jedi. And the Jedi are like a, you know, they're like a monastic samurai order. They're, they're sort of peacekeepers. But they're not, it's only, they use that. But not everybody is using lightsabers. They normally use And the other guys use spears. Which other guys? I don't know. Who are the robots all in white? Well, those are stormtroopers, but they're not robots. They're actually people in there, and they used to be clones. But do they use spears? No. Oh. There well, are, I think there are spears in space. There are Imperial guards who use, like, a staff similar to, like, a bow staff. I suppose you could think of that as, like, a spear, but that's that's mm-hmm. sort of an Imperial guard there, and they're not. And I don't think I've seen any they, of them throw. maybe the aliens found a spear on the property. Why? Why not? Why Throw would off they... the trail. What trail? An alien doesn't need to be throwing anyone off a trail. When you're an <laughs> alien, when you're an, when you're an advanced civilization and you could just come in from another place, you don't need to throw someone off your trail. I don't know. What do you guys think? Hit us up on the social. I want to hear everyone else's opinion. Yeah, I want to hear from all the people that thinks it's the Star Wars tor- Stormtrooper spear-wielding aliens. I mean, listen, I built up our Lodge. social media following, so they'll probably side with me. Uh, Thanks, guys. Yeah, questionable. Anyhow, <laughs> paranormal pop culture, what are we into this week? Uh, obviously, I watched the entirety of Unsolved Mysteries. So good. Every episode was good. Nothing disappointed. It was awesome. I like that they didn't have a narrator because then Robert Stack could just be him. You can't really replace him. Uh, my favorite episode was episode three, which was the French family, of course. Did you watch it? I actually have not watched it yet. Is I um, would recommend for you starting with episode five. That's I can't like a work Berkshire that way. UFO incident. I would have to. I would have to. I do know that incident. I would have to start episode one. Very kind yeah. of chronological that way. Yeah. But it was great. Highly recommend. What about you? Um, do love Robert Stack. Have you ever seen the movie Airplane? Um, n- no, but I've seen that clip that's like, stop calling me Shirley. Right. But, well, Robert Stack was a serious actor, but also it was, uh, he also did like comedic acting, like an airplane. So it was just... I think I probably knew Unsolved Mysteries. I don't know. Did I know, know Unsolved Mysteries before Airplane? I think so. So I knew him as like, you know, the kind of very serious, somber man with the with the trench coat. So then I saw mm-hmm. Airplane after that, which is a great movie. It's a, it's a great comedy. And, you know, it's just sort of interesting seeing him in that other role. But anyhow, 
Um, I will have to watch it. Yeah, I, uh, I, it's on my list. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. I, I will say though, for me, just a throwback. You know, I mentioned we are recording this on July Fourth weekend, which for me means watching Jaws mm-hmm. for the millionth time, and not really paranormal in nature, but perhaps cryptozoological, perhaps, um, but not really. But then Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and then Independence Day, and then a whole bunch of other Spielberg movies. Like, uh, I haven't watched E.T. yet, but maybe I'll watch that this weekend. So for me, the summer is intrinsically linked to my childhood and Spielberg, and, you know, those are summer movies. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. Uh, and then Independence Day was not directed by Spielberg, but... Uh, I watched that as well, which is just a great, great summer movie, a great alien invasion movie. It's just fun to go back and revisit some of those. Have you seen all of those? Have you seen no. Independence Day? No. No, have we you... talked about this last week. I don't like Will Smith. Oh, that's right. We did. Yeah. Uh, have you seen Close Encounters of Third Kind? I don't know. I think I might have. That's with the guy... Little, the little short guy. What's his name? Richard Dreyfuss. Yes. <laughs> I think I have seen it. Okay. Um, well, it's a great movie. It's, uh, My yeah. dad's best friend looks just like Richard Dreyfuss. It's really funny. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And now your dad's best friend knows that you called him a little short guy. Uh, I don't think he listens to the podcast. Oh, okay. Well... <laughs> So that means that he's not a Patreon subscriber, and we have those as well. And maybe on this week's Patreon, we can talk about some more weird ranch stuff, or maybe even maybe I'll talk a little bit about Roswell if we want to do that, unless we already have that a backup story. So, anyhow, uh, well, do you have anything else to say? It's just a weird episode. No, I feel like I said a lot. Yeah, we learned a lot about one another. We shared about your terrible southern accent and um and and kushan wait no kushu kushu kouchu kouchu if you like nightmerica please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash nightmerica and consider leaving us a review on apple podcasts give us a follow on social media and share this with your friends and if you'd like to share your paranormal stories or even seek paranormal advice, which is for entertainment purposes only, email nightmericashow at gmail.com. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.